Coming up, the 2021 NFL preview. Need I say more? It's on deck, but first, this message. Hey everybody, Jay Reels here to share a friendly reminder. If this is your first time getting an opportunity to listen to what it is that I have to say about what's going on in the world of sports, welcome aboard. Or if you've been a long-time listener, not only do I welcome you back, but I want to advise you all to please subscribe, rate, and review the J Reels podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, this pod is on all platforms. On Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, Player FM, even Amazon Music. I not only host this endeavor, but I independently produce, edit, and write what you read and listen to. So your participation is vital to not only support the podcast, but increase the visibility, fuel the growth and expansion of this platform to those who aren't familiar with it. You could also share the show or a particular episode by posting on social media as well. The purpose of this is quite simple, people. To generate interest to those who aren't aware or know of this podcast, especially the former or current athlete, the broadcaster, blogger, sports writer, studio host, etc., as I want them to share their experience on the field, the court, the press box, broadcast booth, or in the studio with me, so then I could flip that to you guys and gals to deliver top-notch, fast-paced, entertaining, informative, incredible sports talk unlike any other, for everyone to listen and enjoy and to keep coming back for more on a week-in, week-out basis. You could also go to my website at www.jreels.com for more information about yours truly, the podcast, archive shows, etc. I appreciate you all for your support. Thank you very much for listening and believing in me. I hope you come back for more as your trusted source on everything that's happening in the world of sports. So with that said, the J Reels podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? I know everybody's ready for some football. Am I? Uh, you know, it's summer just about dwindling down to its precious few days. And even though tonight the curtain will be raised on the NFL season, in Tampa between Dallas against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, I am ready. And I hope you're ready for my 2021 NFL preview as it's coming up. This is episode 213. So for my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me for all those episodes, I welcome you guys back. It is a Thursday, September the 9th. I know everybody's going to rejoice. Hallelujah, the NFL is back. And we'll break it all down for you here from pillar to post. Floor to ceiling, top to bottom, you name it, I got it. And have you covered here for about 45 minutes or so. I'll try to keep it concise in a nice tidy package so I can hand it off to you to get you ready for this 2021 NFL season. So let's get right to it. And with these storylines, it's weird. Because every time you get into an NFL season, there always seems to be those one or two, maybe three or four juicy storylines that you can sink your teeth into. That you could look ahead and say, oh, there's this, oh, there's that, oh, this team, how are they going to perform? 
oh, who are the up-and-comers? Who's the team that's going to take a step or two back? And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't see any major storylines. You do have some in a sense where, oh, could Tampa possibly repeat, bringing everybody back, all the 22 starters? All these people out here that are thinking that the Buccaneers are going to try to run the table, and that's pretty much Tom Brady's last goal, if you will, as far as getting himself back to a Super Bowl undefeated the way he did back in 2007 when he was a member of the Patriots. Please, can we just squash that right away? I don't care if they have an Alabama schedule and they're going to pretty much steamroll through everybody. You know there's going to come a point where A, they're going to lose a game in a regular season. And then not only that, but the pressure that's going to mount. Mind you that he's been there and he's done that to the point where he was that close from having that superlative, undefeated, immortal season. But people just want to bring up all these different storylines and pretty much make mountains out of molehills. So whether it's that, KC, you know they're going to be back. Buffalo, can they take that next step? Cleveland and what they did last year and finally winning a playoff game and then going to Kansas City and almost upsetting the Chiefs. The NFC, can Green Bay and everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Yeah, to me, that's nothing really to talk about. It's nothing really that's going to have me at the edge of the seat or I'm going to be thinking about on a day-in, day-out basis. Like, oh, geez, what is going to happen? How is this all going to unfold? Obviously, we have to wait and see how the regular season plays out, etc. But there isn't really that one or two or even just a handful of storylines that I could say, wow, this is what I have myself zeroed in on. And I'm going to take a look at the NFL landscape and say, all right, I'm going to keep myself and my antenna up and running To make sure that I'm going to keep my focus on this team. Or that team. Or this player. Or whatever. I mean, Carson Wentz to Indianapolis? Are you going to jump up and down and go crazy there? The NFC Least? Part 2? Remember what happened last year in that division? As bad as it was? So, when I really look at the NFL from the 30,000 foot aerial view, there isn't really anything that sticks out to me. And I'm sure you may disagree with that. I'm sure you may look at that as like, Jay Reels, you're nuts. I understand you're chomping at the bit for football. I get that you're salivating, that you're sick and tired of a baseball season for the non-baseball fan that's out there. You don't care about the NBA and what they stand for, especially over the last couple of years. Hockey, who watches that? Yeah, you may get into some MMA and US Open. What is that? Nobody watches tennis. So I get that the attention span is all about what the Shield does in the NFL, and you had your fantasy team together, you've gotten all of your knockout picks, your knockout pool picks, I'm sure, in by now, etc. So, yes, football is going to be front and center here if you're not only the diehard sports fan, but of course the NFL fan. But I'm sorry, if you're going to try to look at certain angles as how this season is going to play out and what are the real juicy storylines, I don't really have any. So I'm going to start there. Number two... I feel is going to be big. Maybe not like last year, although you're hearing rumblings that COVID is going to play an enormous part here because last year without a vaccination or without a vaccine, I should say, you know, players had to be indoors. They had to follow the protocols, et cetera. And as we saw, Tennessee had their outbreak. Baltimore had their outbreak. Games were moved all over the maps where you had Wednesday afternoon games, an extra Monday night game, Tuesday night games. And I think you're going to see a little bit of that this year. Because with players 
whether most of them are vaccinated or not, they're going to feel as if they have the liberty to go to certain places, and they do. I'm not trying to say that they don't. But we all know that once you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean that you're going to be bulletproof of the virus. So if that particular player on their off day on a Tuesday wants to go to a restaurant or Monday night, want to hang out in a bar or a club, and they're amongst a bunch of different people, and then next thing you know, come Wednesday, Thursday, he may test positive. And granted that the stipulations are a lot different for a vaccinated player than an unvaccinated player, as we've talked about in this past podcast, but you're going to have to go through that, I think, a lot more this time around where players, I understand they're not going to just throw themselves into the fire and cause their own health or obviously the team's health in jeopardy, but because it's a little bit lenient for that player who does have the vaccine as opposed to the player that doesn't, I could see this being a thing or situation where teams, as we saw here just in the preseason, Tennessee popped up again. We saw what happened with the Cowboys, obviously up in Buffalo. So I think that there's going to be games that will be rearranged at some point in the season. And hopefully it doesn't become a carbon copy of what happened last year. Because as we saw, especially with the Steelers, and I don't want to make it about them, but they've had to not only move their bye from week seven to week four, they also had to move that Thanksgiving game with Baltimore, the NBC night game. That didn't get played till the following Wednesday because it was postponed three times. And they're the example of what could possibly happen if an outbreak does occur with any of these ball clubs. So how it's going to impact the schedule is going to be something that a lot of people may not have on their radar, but you have to be sure to keep yourself attentive to that because I wouldn't be surprised that at some point in the season, whether it's early on, sometime in the middle of the season, or especially when the weather gets colder, that teams may be affected by this. The third storyline that I have is for the first time in a long time, even going back to the 90s, maybe even the 80s for that matter, how dominant the NFC was over the AFC. Not only just in the Super Bowls, of course, going back to the days of the 80s with the Niners winning five Super Bowls and pretty much that one in 94, as we recall. But then you had the Cowboys of the early 90s into the mid-90s having their run. The Packers, of course, were dominant in the NFC during the Favre era. And then now... There's been a shift. And I'm not going to say all of a sudden this year, but we've seen a bit of a slide, a transition to where the AFC now has a lot of teams that are stacked, of course, led by Kansas City and Buffalo, but Cleveland looking to take that next step. Baltimore and what they've done here over the last couple of years, I understand they haven't gotten deep into the postseason. When you go back a couple of years ago at 14-2 and when they lost to Tennessee in the divisional round, and then last year they finally did win a wild card round before losing to Buffalo the following week. But you would think that hope springs eternal or autumn in this case because the Ravens, I'm sure they're looking to try to get themselves on track for a deep postseason run this year. We could also look at Tennessee. They made it to the conference championship game two years ago. We know that they've bolstered their offense by bringing in Julio Jones. So the AFC... And even you want to throw in the out west with the Chargers and maybe possibly even Indianapolis. Of course, going back to the south. People even wanted to throw in Pittsburgh as a dark horse. Who knows? But the AFC seems to be more stacked because when you look at the NFC, other than Tampa, Green Bay, 
and the LA Rams, and those are three good top-heavy teams, where else are you going to pick from the rest of the conference as far as a team that could threaten those top three teams in the NFC? All right, you could say Seattle, based on their track record over the years, Pete Carroll and the quarterback, Russell Wilson. San Francisco making it to a Super Bowl two years ago. Last year, they fell on hard times. This year, you would think with Garoppolo starting, even though Trey Lance is waiting in the wings, but with a soft schedule, you got to wonder whether or not San Francisco could try to rebound and get themselves back to prominence there in the conference. In the NFC least, again, it's either going to be Washington or Dallas, but you can't expect them to go deep or far into January and February. And then the NFC North, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, it's pretty much going to be a fight for second place because Green Bay is going to be off and running. So granted that you have those three aforementioned teams, the two NFC title game representatives, and of course the Super Bowl champion Bucks with Green Bay, and then the Rams who bring in Matthew Stafford from Detroit. And a lot of people think that the Rams could be primed for a Super Bowl run. But the AFC to me is a lot more stout, a lot more competition. Granted, you have Kansas City and Buffalo and everybody else, but those other teams that I mentioned can be live dogs to get to a championship game. Super Bowl? Hmm. Could be questionable, but I can't say would you be surprised if a team like Cleveland, Baltimore, I'm not going to say the Chargers just yet, Tennessee, maybe Indianapolis, the pedigree of Pittsburgh, Kid, they make it to a title game in the AFC? Is it out of the question? Can't say it is. And then when we look at the final one, and I don't want to make this out to be a big deal, but I'm in the super minority when it comes to all the promotion and marketing. Not that the NFL needs to do it, but this is being titled the biggest season ever, and we know why. The extra game, 17 regular season games. I hate it. Do we really need an extra game? I know it's about the money. I know it's about the prestige. We know the NFL and the Shield, they're both bulletproof. And for the extra game to be played this year, which I know to the chagrin of the star player, maybe not the long snapper, maybe not the third string quarterback or the backup corner, they may look at that as just an extra game check in their back pockets and good for them and rightfully so but for the star player knowing that they have to play that extra game I'm sure in the back of their minds they're dreading it they won't say it publicly they know that hey it's part of the job etc but and as a fan it just throws it off balance I said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast when we go through these divisions and especially with a lot of the predictions that you see to see records like 11 and 6 or 8 and 9 13 and 4. It's just weird. As I said then, I'll say one more time. That's like an NBA season being 81 games or a baseball season being 161 games. Even it out. And you would think eventually the NFL is going to get to the 18 regular season games to obviously even it out, number one, and then number two to chop off one of the preseason games. As it is, most of the teams play three. You figure once they tack on that 18th game, I'm sure somewhere down the road, maybe the next collective bargaining agreement, that that will be broached at that time. But as of right now, that 17th game is just, it's weird. I don't like it. And it just is an imbalance that just doesn't need to be there. 
You know, it's not as if the NFL, nobody's watching these games or nobody's paying attention or following. We know that the NFL is a juggernaut. And you could put these games, forget about Sunday at 1, you could put these games Sunday at 1 a.m. And everybody's going to watch these games. So, who are they kidding? All right, but let's get to it. I'll go through the divisions first. This is how we're going to break it down, people, just so you get an idea. Divisions first. Then I'll go through my surprises. Or really a surprise. I got one. And even then, it's a little bit of a reach, but you'll see. My disappointment. My over-under numbers. And I'm not going to go through a whole playoff thing. We understand that there's going to be seven teams per conference. I'm not going to go through records or anything like that. I'll give you who are going to be the playoff teams and who's going to represent the AFC and NFC in the Super Bowl and then have my Super Bowl winner. If you didn't listen, I gave a little bit of a kernel, a little nugget there on the podcast Monday. My knockout pick this week is San Francisco. They're going to Detroit. And again, a knockout pick is just picking the winner. It's not the point spread. Nothing like that. It's just no matter how they get the job done, whether they win 2-0 or 45-44, as long as San Francisco wins the game, I move on to the next week. And then, of course, I can't pick them again for the rest of the year as long as I'm alive in this knockout pool. So, And then, of course, we'll cap it off with my Super Bowl prediction and then bid adieu for my 2021 NFL preview. All right, so the divisions will start off in the AFC. We know Buffalo is the creme de la creme of the division. We know that New Orleans, excuse me, New England made all the improvements in the offseason, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have a lot of players or a couple of key components coming back on the defense, especially Dante Hightower in particular, because they did not play last year due to COVID. I know New England could possibly be a threat to Buffalo, but this is their division to lose. Buffalo, I could see them just steamrolling and running away with this division. Maybe that weird 13-4 and record. I don't think New England's too far behind. I'm not really too sold on their defense. And Buffalo, let me go back to Buffalo real quick. I mean, it's pretty obvious. We know that they've been on this trajectory here. They made it to the postseason two years ago. They lost that brutal game where they were up 16-0 to Houston in Houston, and then last year, taking the next step to the AFC title game. Of course, they won a game at home in the Charger game. Excuse me, not Chargers, the Colts in that first opening round. And then they had Baltimore come into their building in the divisional round. Uh, The reason why I thought Chargers is because of Phillip Rivers. He was the quarterback of the Colts at that time. So by winning those two games and then going to Kansas City and getting beaten, battered, and bruised, you know that the Bills are going to be dead set on making it down or out, I should say, to SoFi Stadium to where Super Bowl 56 will be played. So that's why Buffalo is going to be by far the class of that division. So in New England, how I look at it is is that the improvements on the offense and even with Mac Jones being the quarterback, I know they're going to simplify for him. They're not going to ask him to do too much. They're running backs, although they're serviceable, but nobody's going to be standing out or make any comparisons to great running backs of the past. You're not going to see a Walter Payton a la Barry Sanders or even of recent vintage, a guy like LaDainian Tomlinson that's going to be weaving in and out through the tackles for big games up the field or gains, I should say. Let me enunciate a little bit better here. Big gains up the field. And their defense where could be their bread and butter, but how I look at it is is that Two years ago, they made a big stink about it when they got off to that 8-0 start. They played nobody, and then they fizzled down the stretch to where they lost in the 
divisional round. That was the opening game against Tennessee. So I'm not really too sold on their defense. And we know Belichick is a mad scientist when it comes to defenses. I think they're going to have a good season. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a playoff team. Because with the extra playoff teams in each of the conferences as it is, and I could see them sneaking in, maybe by winning 10 games, or who knows, 9-8 and could possibly make them available for a postseason berth. So I think New England will have a good year. I think there will be some growing pains, of course, with Mac Jones. But when you look at the Jets and Dolphins, and I'll start with the Dolphins first because there's a lot of promise going on down there. And we've seen the progress being made by the coach, former Patriot defensive linebackers coach and a one, Brian Flores. And we all know the big question mark down there is how Tua Tagovailoa is going to play this year. We know last year was tough for him. Not really a training camp. Didn't play in the preseason. Pretty much was thrown into the fire. I understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick started off the season, but then it was time to usher in the Tua era. And although he did show you some flashes and did play well at times, but it was still incomplete as to what type of quarterback he's going to be here, at least in the short term. You can't think long term right now, but in the short term that you could say, oh yeah, he's definitely going to be our guy. That's up in the air right now. Now, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. We know about what he did in Alabama, but this is the NFL. And you can only hope that he has some success early on, which I think will be imperative just to get his confidence, to instill confidence in the team, and for them to get off to a good start, I think would be monumental. And I say that loudly because, obviously, with Buffalo and New England in your division, to compete with those guys, if your quarterback gets off to a very slow start, then it could be a long season. And in the Jets, when you look at Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick, a lot of promise. Tony Romo just singing his praises throughout the course of the preseason. And even with Robert Sala, the new coach from San Francisco, the old coordinator, I think this is going to be just a year of progress. You would only hope that if you're the Jets, that you could get to anywhere between five on the low side And I'll even go as high as saying eight as far as winning games this year. You don't want to be three and 14 or four and 13 because that's not progress. Yeah, it may be progress from last year's record. But still, when you look at the Jets and everything that they've had to endure, forget about just the whole franchise, but just over the years, having the fire Todd Bowles, bringing in Adam Gaze. You finally get your quarterback in Sam Darnold, but then you think, oh, maybe he's not our quarterback. And then Gaze is out the door. You trade Darnold away. You also had to get rid of McCagnan throughout the the former GM in the process. You bring in Joe Douglas. Now you have a new coach here in Sala, defensive coach. And we know that the defense of the Jets, although they have Quentin Williams, but their secondary is, let's just say it kindly, uh, is mediocre. But you have a lot to work with there, especially when you have a quarterback that's going to have some growing pains. And thankfully for them, they have two behemoths on that offensive line in the last two number one picks that they've had with Makai Becton and then Vera here in this past draft. But if you're a Jet fan, listen, I'm sure you're hoping for seven or eight wins. You may be looking at five or six. I think if the Jets win six games, and you know me, there are no such thing as moral victories, but that would be a moral victory. 
You don't want to be at three or four wins. Five, you can be like, all right, it was a slight improvement. Six, you'd be like, all right, it was better than three wins. We doubled our win total from last year. And then when you look at a chance of going seven or eight wins, that may even be, for the Jet fan, that may even be a little bit too ambitious only because if, let's say, if the Jets do win seven or, dare I even say, eight wins, then next year they have to win 12 wins right off the bat. Because the Jet fan will think, well, hey, if we were able to win eight, all right, you want to take that little leap, maybe go to 10. But the Jet fan may be so ecstatic that they may say, oh, we could get 11, we could get 12, maybe we'll win a division. All right? So, and not to say the Jet fan is that delusional, they're not, but you never know. So that's what we have there in the AFC. As far as the AFC East, that is. The AFC North, which arguably is the best division in football, that and the NFC West. And this is going to be just a knockdown, dragdown fight all year. And I'll start with Cleveland. I'm going to say Pittsburgh for last year, people. Cleveland, there's a lot of expectations. If you thought last year there were expectations considering, now this year is even bigger. Because you were a wild card team last year. You would think your goal would be to win a division so you could host a playoff game. And then even go higher than that, maybe be a two or three seed in the AFC and then only have to maybe play two games at home so you could have a chance to go on the road to get to a Super Bowl. It has to be that. And I could also tie the Ravens in for that matter because the Ravens have had that perch of being the best team in the conference, home field throughout, but we know they squandered that by losing to the Titans there two years ago. But they do have that experience, they know what it takes to win a division, we know John Harbaugh's been there forever Lamar Jackson, which I'll get to in a second but to me the expectations for both the Browns and the Ravens, they're similar because they're teams that need to take that next step they can't just look at a wild card or let's say go on the road for two games to get to an AFC title game and then of course at that point it could be a toss up anything goes but if you're those two franchises, you have to think It's the vision or bust for starters. And then from there, to go ahead and try to get those games at home before having to go on the road. Or if you do have the one seed, and remember, the one seed is going to have the bye, then you could go ahead and try to get to a Super Bowl. The Browns, I have to see if they could do it again. And they have the talent. But we have to find out what their identity is from this regard. Are they a front-running team? Similar to the Ravens, too. Are they a front-running team when they play from ahead? That's when they'll beat you to a pulp. And that's when they'll steamroll you. That's when they'll go ahead and lay the wood on you. Or are there a team that once adversity hits, and let's say it's a big game in November that they have to win, let's say in Baltimore, and I don't know the schedule off the top of my head, but let's say they have to win that division game on the road. And granted, they beat Pittsburgh where it, when it mattered. In the postseason. But you know those games can be hotly contested. Let me see them going to Pittsburgh in a regular season as they got taken to the woodshed last year in a regular season game, losing 35-7. Let me see how they respond in that fashion. Or in Baltimore. Or in Kansas City here week one. And I understand it's a tough matchup for Cleveland. I'm sure they're chomping at the bit. They want a little bit of revenge. Obviously, the stakes aren't as high. But knowing that they lost on that field just eight months ago, now they can get right back at it, right back at them, and see if they could upend the Chiefs to start off their season 1-0. and 
So that's how I look at both Cleveland. And I'm still not sold on Baker Mayfield. I know he's got a lot of guts and guile, whatever, but I still need to see more. And that goes for Lamar Jackson as well. Now, Jackson in big spots has been terrible. And just like I mentioned, the Ravens are a front-running team because of how their offense is constructed. They run the ball. They're going to jam it down your throat. They're going to pound you. The loss of J.K. Dobbins is huge. But Gus Edwards, Jackson, I'm sure they probably have some guy that they could take off the scrap heap who will contribute because of that offensive line. And they'll just run amok on bad defenses. But the thing is, when we've seen the Ravens, and granted that they were down 10-0 to Tennessee in the wildcard game and they came back and won the game, but Tennessee, it's not the defense that they were when they went to the Super Bowl under Jeff Fisher back in the 2000 season. Or the 99 season, I should say. And not to say that that defense was the 85 Bears. But we know that they had a very good team that made it to a Super Bowl as opposed to the defense for the Titans where at times they show flashes, but you're not going to be shaking in your boots if you're an offensive team. Oh, wow, we got to go to Tennessee because the Titan defense? No, that's not happening. So when you combine those factors for both of those teams, I think they're going to have very good seasons. I think they're both going to make it to the postseason, but it just remains to be seen on how they perform when it's an ugly game or when they're down by 10 early in the game or... And I understand the Ravens did against Tennessee, but let me see them do that against Kansas City. Let me see them do that against Buffalo, as they tried to do in the division game last year. As far as the Steelers go, I know nobody's picking them, and rightfully so. They, They don't even need to be discussed as far as the Super Bowl talk is concerned. But I do believe that they could be a dark horse. And as we all know, the bottom line for this team comes down to five guys. Five. Their offensive line. If they could keep Roethlisberger upright, and I'm sure the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, whatever it is that he's implemented for this team, I'm sure there's going to be bits and pieces of what the former offensive coordinator in Randy Fickner, there's going to be a lot of getting the ball out of Roethlisberger's hands quickly. I'm sure there's going to be maybe some bubble screens because he's going to use the Najee Harris's of the world or the Deontay Johnson's or players that if they're out in an open field, they could just use their speed and utilize it to where they get big gains. Chase Claypool is another one. So I could see them doing that. And then their run game obviously has improved by bringing in the number one pick in, from Alabama and Najee Harris. But is how this team is going to run protect and pass protect as to the success of this team this year. It's all there is to it. Because if their offensive line is going to be, I'm not going to say Swiss cheese, because if that's going to be the case, they're going to have a losing season. But are they going to be enough For them to, of course, they'll be competitive. But as far as to win and make it to the postseason, it could boil down to them. Their defense is going to be good. We know Roethlisberger came out with the words about T.J. Watt, pay him anything he wants. And understandably and rightfully so, the Steelers are going to have to break the bank for this guy and they're going to have to give him some more guaranteed money. I know that's not the steal away, but what are you going to do? The guy has been runner-up to the defensive player of the year the last two years. And who knows? He could be ready to be that guy this year. Granted that he has not participated in any team drills. He's just done individual drills because he's waiting for his payday. And as we know, the Steelers do not negotiate contracts in season, so they pretty much have until you would think 
Saturday before they get on the plane, because we've seen that happen in the past with Troy Palomalo, where he's signing contracts pretty much on the tarmac before they fly to whatever city they're going to. And remember, Pittsburgh's going to Buffalo here week one. So unless they land in Buffalo without a deal, it looks like it could be a long season for the Steeler team. Granted that T.J. Watt, you figure he's going to give every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears to make it through this regular season. But the Steelers, I think they'll have a good year. How good of a year? It just depends on their offensive line. And then the Bengals, to me, this is it for the coach. Zach Taylor has to, there has to be improvement here. They can't be another 4-13, and 5-12, and 12, and we know it's all going to be on the arm of Joe Burrow coming back from the ACL injury. As long as they're competitive. If they're competitive in the division, they're going to have their tough losses. They're going to have some probably blowout losses on the docket, but they just have to play better. Maybe get to that 6-7 win total. I know it's not a lot. I know, please, for the Bengal fan, like my guy, Jai in Baltimore, and my two long-beloved Bengal fans and Risa Saslow and also Brian Murray, shout them out. But that would be a leap of faith if you could win a couple of games in the division, especially against your bitter rivals, whether it's in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, or even Baltimore for that matter, beat those teams and then scratch out four or five wins on top of that, I think your season will be successful. Now, as far as the AFC South, this is going to be quick, people. To me, it's Tennessee and everybody else. Indianapolis, well, I'll get to them in a second. Tennessee, we know about the upgrades I mentioned earlier. Julio Jones to go along with A.J. Brown. And then you have Derrick Henry in the backfield. So you have a lethal running back. You have a two lethal wide receivers, but arguably the one that's been the best in the sport the last five, six years. Tannehill, he's been a lot better than anybody could ever expect. But when you really, really need to count on him, that's going to be the key spot, as you saw there even in the playoff game last year, when they're trying to make their comeback and they had that last interception when they were down 20 to 13. And remember, that's when the Ravens stomped on the logo there at midfield. He threw that bad pick. So that's going to be the big question mark, as well as their defense too, but you figure the Titans in that division will do well. Carson Wentz, I understand he reunites with Frank Reich there in Indianapolis, the old offensive coordinator in his days during that Eagles Super Bowl run, but Reich, give it up. He's been a great coach there so far, and although they have very good pieces there offensively, you're not going to see T.Y. Hilton to start. We know about Jonathan Taylor, very good running back. Michael Pittman, you think in year two will take a step up as far as the receiver core goes. They have uh, Mo Cox, who's a very good and underrated tight end. They have the pieces on offense, and their defense is probably even better than their offense. That's quarterback by Darius Leonard. We know about Eric Armstead there on the the defensive line. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I said Eric Armstead. Uh, DeForest Buckner. I've got my Niners, or in this case, former Niners mixed up. DeForest Buckner there who is going to patrol the defensive line. And the Colts could have a big year, but Wentz, his health, and we've seen time after time over the years, dating back to that Super Bowl run where he could have been MVP of the league, he tore his knee in that game out in LA at the Coliseum, and that's when Nick Foles stepped in and he became the conquering hero of Philadelphia. But with the Colts, they could have a big year, and I think they will, but it's all upon the health of their quarterback. And as we've seen, Carson Wentz throughout the years, since then, he has not been able to stay on the field for any long or significant amount of time to where you would believe that he's going to not only be effective, but healthy enough to take this team to heights 
bigger than they were last year at 11 and five, making it to the wild card game against Buffalo. And then Jacksonville, obviously Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence to kick off their NFL careers. What could they do? You would think the improvement would be where their number is in Vegas at six and a half. What did they win? Two games all of last year. So now if they go ahead and maybe win five, six, that would be a vast improvement. And then the Texans, that's been a disaster dating back to the spring with Deshaun Watson. And even though he is on the roster, but he's not going to play, Tyrod Taylor is your guy that's going to start this year. And the poor kid, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, who's a serviceable guy, backup. We saw what happened there in Los Angeles last year where he started that game, hurt his back, and then he took that injection and was in a bad spot. And then usher in Justin Herbert and the new era there for the Los Angeles Chargers. And then you didn't see Taylor throughout the rest of the year. So now here he is having to mop up pretty much the mess that's gone on in Houston. And what could you expect out of the Texans this year? Not much. And then the West is the Chiefs. And to me, everybody else, do I even need to say more about the Chiefs and what they've done the last two years? They've shorn their offensive line, which was critical, especially in the loss to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And then now you have a scenario where with the offensive line stout and their defense... Eh, never been great. They've made the plays. They've made it stops when they needed to, understood. But we all know this team's about their offense. And they're only going to go as far as Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyrone Hill are going to take them. So they're the class of the division. You can follow that up. A lot of people are in love with the Chargers. And Herbert, he's going to be a star in this league if he isn't already. But I still need to see more. And now you have Brandon Staley, the former Ram coach, literally go across the hall to man the Chargers. And we've seen this Charger team over the years lose the most excruciating games you could possibly imagine. Whether Going back to the days of Marty Schottenheimer. So whether it was Marty Schottenheimer or Norv Turner or of recent vintage here in a one Anthony Lynn, they can never seem to shake whatever bad fortune, misfortune, whatever, because they find and invent ways to lose these games. And I'm not trying to say that that's going to be the case this year, but I don't think the Chargers are the sexy pick. I think they're going to be good, and they won, what, seven games last year? So even if they go to nine, maybe ten, obviously that's an improvement that will possibly put them in the playoff mix and maybe even squeak out a playoff spot. But with their defense... And we've seen it time after time, whether you're Joey Bosa or Derwin James, you're always nicked up, you're always injured, and those are their two key guys on their defense. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you, other than they should be good, and they probably will improve, but how much? I don't think it's going to be as much as people think coming into the season. And then you have Denver with Teddy Bridgewater. I think that Vic Fangio, their defense is going to be very good. We know he's a defensive guy. Offensively, they have some weapons there with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And it remains to be seen what's going to happen there as far as Bridgewater, who's a guy that he can play in this league. I don't know if he's going to be able to play consistently throughout the course of 16 games because he can get rid of the ball and he is smart with his decision-making. He's not a mistake-prone quarterback, but... Is that the type of guy or is he a guy that's going to take you to that next level? And what I mean by next level, just to make it to the playoffs. I'm not trying to say Super Bowl by any stretch. 
But is Bridgewater going to be that guy, especially in this division where it's going to be pretty competitive? I don't think so. I think they're going to be somewhere around 500 or a step below because obviously you're not going to have a 500 record this year. And then the Raiders are the Raiders. What could you say? Gruden, I believe this is year four. Derek Carr, you would think this, I don't know what his contract's looking like, but if it doesn't go well for him this year, then they're going to have to punt and try to find a replacement because, and I understand they have Mariota on the team. I believe he's still as the backup. I don't know whether or not Carr's going to be that guy, although four years ago he played up into MVP capability before he broke his leg and then he lost to that playoff game, I believe it was to Houston that year. But the Raiders... They're going to be the Raiders. Sadly, it's the same team, different state. And last year, you want to give it a pass because COVID, no fans, etc. Now you're going to have fans in the building. Uh, to me, it's going to be the same old Raiders. Let me go to the NFC. The least, uh, I'm just going to pick Washington only because Dallas, the question mark there is the quarterback too. The injuries that he's had here toward the latter part of the preseason there had been a lot of talk that he's been favoring that ankle that he broke last year in the game against the Giants. So therefore, because he's favoring that leg, the other leg, there seems to be some issues there. And you got to wonder, just the psychological aspect, and he's going to be front and center tonight for the whole world to see. And I'm sure they're going to try to give the ball to Zeke a ton of times. And there's going to be no Zach Martin, who's not going to perform here tonight, which is huge because Zach Martin is the anchor of that line. When you think of the Cowboy line of the past, obviously no more Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith. So the Cowboy line, you have to wait and see whether or not it's going to be anything close to what they once were four or five years ago. And I think that they will be up there as far as the division goes. But Washington, I'm just going to base it on their defense. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's on his 15th team or whatever it is, but he is a wily vet. He's a guy that, yeah, the Fitz Magic comes out and you're like, whoa, there he is. Four touchdown game, 400 yards, away we go. And then you think that you may have a decent season with him. And then you turn around, he's going to have that putrid one touchdown, four interception type game. That's not a knock. That's just Ryan Fitzpatrick throughout his career. But the defense led by Chase Young, we know that the Washington football team is going to be stout, you would think, defensively. And that's what's going to win them a lot of games this upcoming season. So I'm going to pick them to win a division as far as the Eagles and Giants now the Giants I would think this is do or die for Daniel Jones not to say that he has to go out there and light up the scoreboard or he has to have these outstanding numbers but he has to show that he can protect the football this is the third year that he's going into and if he's going to fumble the ball left and right and that's the thing all right quarterbacks throw interceptions and they make bad decisions granted but he's a fumbling machine And that's one thing you need to do. Interceptions are bad. And especially at the time of the game where they come. And he's still a young quarterback. He's still learning. But the one thing he absolutely 100% must do is cut down those fumbles. Because if not, he's going to be off this team this year. Or at the end of the year. Because remember, the GM is going to be gone if this team doesn't improve. The coach will be there. And of course, the coach is not really tied to this quarterback because it goes back to the Gettleman regime. So you would think that this is going to be a boom or bust year for a one Daniel Jones. Defensively, they're going to be very good. Offensively, they do have some pieces. Saquon Barkley, you would think whenever he comes back, he's going to be 100% ready to go. 
So the Giants got to have to make a step here in the division. And could I see them competing there as we get deep into this NFL season? I can, but again, what is Daniel Jones going to do here? He's going to have to win them some games. And he's going to have to protect that football. And with the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, I said it last year. I thought he was a guy that could be a wild card because we didn't know what was going to happen there with Wentz and his injury history, etc. And Hurts came in there and he played pretty well. I mean, he wasn't great by any stretch, but he wasn't terrible. So he's somewhere in the middle. So now it's his team. How he's going to perform here is going to be huge. And this is his audition for 2021 to show whether or not he belongs to not only stay as a starting quarterback in Philadelphia, or he's going to be a guy that's probably going to be a backup throughout his career. And I hate to just put it on one year for this guy, but that's what it's going to be. So I think the Eagles are going to have a long year. The North, it's going to be the Packers division. I mean, how could it not? All the drama with Aaron Rodgers that's out the window. Now you start playing football. You don't get into all that nonsense. Forget it. It's over. It's done with. But with the rest of the division, the Vikings could be good. But again, Kirk Cousins, you got to wonder whether or not he's going to be the guy that's going to lead this team deep into the postseason. I understood we saw it last or two years ago where he beat the Saints in the wildcard game. And then he had that bad pick there to start the second half against the Niners. But the Niners were the better team. So what they're going to do is going to be, to me, they're the second best team in the division. The Bears, they're going to start with Andy Dalton. Justin Fields, you think, will come in at some point. And Fields, it's going to be his team. Now, how he's going to do, that obviously remains to be seen. Their defense, I know people are going to look at their defense led by Khalil Mack and how they're going to be nowhere near the Monsters of the Midway or the 85 Bears defense, but... We all know it's synonymous with those teams of the past. I don't think they're anything. Obviously, they're nowhere near close to those teams. And I don't even think they're they're a good defense, but they're not a great defense. I just see the Bears. That's going to be a long year for me. If you ask me, if Dalton, it doesn't matter if you bring Jim McMahon back. I still think it's going to be a long year for the Bears. And the Lions with Dan Campbell, the new coach, and obviously with Jared Goff there, with the trade from LA to Detroit where Stafford goes and plays in La La Land. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains there too. So I I do not expect much out of the Lions. The NFC South, it's Tampa and everybody else. I know people are going to look at the Buccaneers, as I said from the top, as a team that people think they're going to repeat. I don't think that's going to be the case. And there's my little tip on who's not making it to the title game, the Super Bowl there at the end of the year. Two reasons. One, I understand you're bringing all... 22 starters back, that's great. But with that is age. And you could say, oh, but a year together, a year better. They just came off winning the Super Bowl. But yes, just because you have the age and experience doesn't mean that it's going to be on your side because when you play in this league and as physical as it is, there's going to be injuries. And I mean, think about it. You got a lot of guys in your 30s that are on just the offensive loan that it's not even the quarterback. I think about it. Gronkowski's your tight end. We know how old he is. Antonio Brown, I understand your third receiver, but he's up there in age. And even defensively, I know they're younger, but even with Jason Pierre-Paul, the veteran statesman of that team, you still have a lot of guys that are well, I'm not going to say past their NFL primes, but they're well into their careers, and 
granted that they know the rigors, they know the bumps, bruises, they won a championship, so they know what it takes to win, but you have to be healthy in order to do it. And with that being said, number two is there's not a lot of depth on this team because they re-signed everybody to come back. So where's your depth? So right, if Gronkowski's going to be on the show for quite some time, I know you got O.J. Howard that's on standby, but Howard's a guy that hasn't proven himself in the league, and granted he was hurt all last year, but the former number one pick from Alabama, who a lot of people thought was going to be this game-breaking tight end, has not even come close to showing that. So Tampa... They're going to have a great year. I would think they're probably going to win 13, maybe even 14 games. But as far as just the divisions, that we're, that's what we're talking about here. It remains to be seen on whether or not they're going to go to a Super Bowl. The Saints, I'm not sold on this whole Jameis Winston teacher pupil with Sean Payton. Now, we know Payton's a great coach, and we know Jameis Winston has ability. But here's the problem that I have, and this is not a knock on Winston. We could talk about the 5,000 yards and the 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and all that. Great. That's fine. But there's been so much turmoil on this team this offseason. All right, you had Drew Brees retire. All right, that was pretty much expected. No problem. But you had the Michael Thomas saga that went on to where he didn't get the surgery until mid-June, so he's not starting the season off on the team. That's one huge weapon that you're going to miss. Number two... Because the key weapon on that team is going to be Alvin Kamara, and they can't expect him to do everything. Pass catch out of the backfield, run the ball between the tackles, outside, etc. Screen passes, you name it. That I think there's going to be a lot more focus on Winston to get the ball to somebody other than Kamara that who's going to be his security blanket? Who's going to be that guy? If Michael Thomas was there, I could say, all right, that's the guy they're going to go to. And even then, they could double team him, and then you could have another guy that... Winston could rely on and use as that security blanket. Who is that guy on his team? And we know that some of these wide receivers and tight ends, they come out of nowhere to flourish in this type of offense, but Winston had that year off to where after leaving Tampa Bay and was part of the Saints last year and learning on the breeze, I'm sure he's got a very good concept of this offense. But at the same time, if the weapons aren't there, where's he going? And then to top it all off, their defense, they had to trade for Bradley Roby with the Texans of all teams to bring in as a corner because they had a cornerback retire in Patrick Robinson. They had Janoris Jenkins who went elsewhere. And they have no secondary to speak of that teams are going to pass all up and down on them. And who's their first game of the year? And it's going to be played in Jacksonville outdoors. All right, it's going to be 1,000 degrees. But Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers is chomping at the bit watching the film this week of that same secondary. So that's why I think they're not going to have a big year. And then when you look at the Falcons and Panthers, to me, they're going to be lumped together. I understand the Falcons have a little bit more experience with Matt Ryan, and now you bring in Kyle Pitts, who's pretty much, he's the guy that's replacing Julio Jones. I know he's a tight end, understood. But they're going to score some points, but they're going to give up a lot more than they score. And that's going to be the Falcons. And then with Matt Rule... And Sam Darnold, I know a lot of the focus is going to be on this week one game. Darnold isn't that type of guy to, and I'm sure privately he's thinking, oh, I want to stick it to the Jets, and rightfully so. But this Darnold rule, who knows how this is going to work and play out. I would think that they'll have some magic here throughout the year, but Carolina is going to be a team that's going to be middle of the pack. I can't see them being a surprise team that, may make some noise 
or who knows? Maybe as you get into November, they're somewhat of a fringe playoff team. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. And then the West, you could possibly have, this is how bad the NFC is because of the extra playoff team. You could possibly have all four teams in the division make the playoffs, which obviously would be unprecedented. The team, I think, is the Rams to come out to be your division winner. I'm not a big believer in Stafford. I get it that he has ability. I get that he's shown a lot of talent and can throw the ball at all different angles. But you know who he is, if you ask me? And I haven't seen or even heard of this comparison. But he's a slightly bit more mobile and has, a, I think, even a better arm in the way, like I said, with all the angles, you could throw sidearm over the top, etc. But he's this era's Drew Bledsoe. That's who Matthew Stafford is. He's a guy that can you win with? Possibly, provided that he has the talent. And we all know in Detroit, yeah, he had Megatron, but those teams, please. The, the Lions were out of it by Thanksgiving. By the time they had the 12-30 game, before you could even put your feet up and serve your first plate, the Lions at that, it was 5-7. and seven. And Stafford, I, again, he's another guy, I believe it when I see it, but I would think new team, different culture, Young coach, offensive-minded coach, who I'm not in love with, but you got to give him credit. He did take his team to a Super Bowl, and he is a very good coach. Running back position suspect. They don't really have a game-breaker on offense. If you want to say Deshaun Jackson, okay. But we know his health scenario, and he's a guy that you step on his toe and he's going to be on the IR. But I like... All those components there, and I'm sure Matthew Stafford knows that this is boom or bust for him. His team needs to get close to, if not to the Super Bowl this year, based on him, and that's why they traded for him. That's all there is to it. But with their defense, you have two of the top players at their position in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And if they stay healthy, obviously their defense could go a long way. But I think the Rams are the class of that division. But not far behind are the Niners and the Seahawks. The Niners, they could actually have a big season if Garoppolo plays well and could stay upright. We know that their schedule, because they were in last place, I believe, they have a fourth place schedule this year. So they play the dregs of the league. They play a lot of the other last place teams in the division, which is hence starting off by playing against the Lions in Detroit to kick off their year. They also play the AFC South, so that means they're going to play Jacksonville, they're going to play Houston, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, but their schedule isn't hard at all. So I could see them playing pretty well this year, I'm sure they're going to want to rebound after what took place last year, and the same for the Seahawks as well, they did make it to the postseason, they lost to the Rams in that first round, but the one thing that scares me about the Seahawks is that it's going to be Russell Wilson and I understand DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and your cast of characters there running the football, whomever it may be. But even with signing Jamal Adams and they do have Bobby Wagner there, but the defense gives up more than their offense will put out. And we saw Seattle go up to that great start last year. Where they would go 5-0, and 
saw off the year, but then they started to fall apart. Their defense gave up a ton of points. Oh, as a matter of fact, maybe they weren't 5-0 and because I remember they lost to Buffalo early on. I think it was maybe week four or five. And Buffalo took them for a ton of points there in that game. But I think it's going to be... Russell Wilson's going to win his games. He's a guy that could pull his team from the fire, but this defense is certainly not your uncle's legion of boom. Even with Jamal Adams anchoring the secondary and Bobby Wagner there being your key linebacker. And then the Cardinals where you got to wonder whether or not Cliff Kingsbury is going to be in over his head this year because tough division understood. And even though they bring in an aging J.J. Watt and you have Larry Fitzgerald to go along with DeAndre Hopkins, you have a few running backs there that could maybe make an imprint that could be at least serviceable to keep Murray and their offense honest. But the one thing I look at when I see the Cardinals, I do see a lot of potential, but I don't know if it's going to be enough for them to even, they'll compete and they'll probably win a couple of games in the division, maybe on the road like they did in the opening game last year in San Francisco. But to me, they're going to be somewhere in that middle of the pack, eight and nine, nine and eight, maybe 10 and seven at best. But as much as you'd want to see improvements from the Cardinal team, especially when you have Kyler Murray as your quarterback, and he is exciting, and he's mobile, and he could improvise with these plays. We saw last year the Hail Mary play against Buffalo, but I don't know. I just don't see it. So my playoff teams, let me go through them real quick. AFC, this is what we got. And the team that's going to be the one seeds are obviously going to be the first team I'm going to mention. Kansas City's going to get your one seed. And then you're going to have Buffalo, number two. The other five playoff teams, you're going to see Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. So that's five. You're going to see Tennessee, which is six. And your seven team is going to be the Patriots. So that's what your AFC is going to look like. And then the NFC is going to be Green Bay, the Rams, Washington, well, I'll say Tampa, because I'm not going in any order, but the Green Bay is going to be your one seed. Let's put it that way. So Green Bay, one seeds, KC, Green Bay, and then you're going to have NFC again, Rams, Bucks, Washington. Then I'm going to pick Arizona. I'm sorry, I'm going to pick San Francisco, Seattle. So right there, that gives me six. And my seventh team, then I'm going to choose. I'm going to pick the Cowboys. The Vikings could sneak in there. Arizona could sneak in there. But I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I don't. Not in big spots. And I get it that he won a road playoff game in New Orleans. But New Orleans have been falling apart ever since the championship game when they lost to the Rams there to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to pick Dallas. And, that, and that's a stretch. That is. So those are my seven teams there. My surprise teams, and it's weird because when you look at the NFL, there's not really one team that sticks out to be a surprise team. Like, who's your surprise team when you think about it? Can Minnesota be a surprise team? I mean, are they really a surprise team? I mean, they were hovering around 500 last year. So, all right, so if they get to nine wins, maybe a fringe playoff team or maybe make the postseason, is that a surprise team? 
When you think of surprise teams, you think a team that comes out of nowhere or has the potential to come out of nowhere. And when I look at the NFL landscape, I don't see one. Please, the Raiders? The Chargers, you would think they could be that surprise team, but a lot of people think that they're going to make it to the playoffs. I don't think so, so I'm not even going to put them in as a surprise team. The Saints? The Saints made it... You know, they won a division last year. How can it be a surprise team even without Drew Brees? To me, there isn't a surprise team, but if I had to choose one, if my life depended on it, I'm only going to pick Carolina because I think Sam Donald is going to be around a system, an offense. Now, granted, they don't have a ton of playmakers, but I would think Matt Rule is going to look at this kid and say, whatever you experienced the last two years or three years, going back to the Todd Bowles in that first year, but whatever you experienced with the Jets is not going to happen here. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to make you that number three overall pick from several years ago. That's not to say Sam Donald's going to have this Pro Bowl type season. That's not to say the Carolina Panthers are going to make it to the postseason. But I could see there being a little magic there, as I said earlier. And the number seven and a half, I could see them maybe winning eight or nine games. And you figure that they'll, who knows? Maybe they could split in a division. They may go two and four. But if they go three and three, give me five more wins elsewhere. And let's see where they fall. So that is my surprise team. And my disappointment team, I'm going to stay in the division. It's going to be the Saints for everything that I mentioned earlier. I know a lot of people think, Sean Payton. Oh, wait till he gets a hands on Jameis Winston. He was there last year. He understands the offense, yada, yada. I get it, 100%. But with all the offseason turmoil that took place, their defense I'm not in love with, and then on top of that, Winston, who is going to be your go-to guy here other than Alvin Kamara? All right, seriously. And I know that there could be some guy, a sixth-round pick in this past year's draft out of wherever, who's going to rise to the occasion and be that guy. Okay. But Winston, I got to see him not have that gunslinger mentality that he had in Tampa, he's going to have to harness that in order for him to avoid the big mistake. And I don't know if he has that in his to get out of his DNA. That's why I don't like New Orleans. So they're my disappointment. All right. Over-unders. Let's just get right to it. Six teams I pick. I try to do it even, three overs, three unders, but I'm just going to go ahead and rip them right off and give you a little synopsis because you pretty much got my synopsis throughout the divisions with these teams. So my three overs. First one I'm picking is Green Bay. They're the best team in the division. I'm sure with everything that happened in the offseason with Aaron Rodgers, he's pretty much has the same pieces coming back. He even has an old piece in Randall Cobb who... I'm sure he welcomed with open arms. Their defense I am not in love with, but it is decent. Their secondary is pretty good. I like the kids here, Alexander. But, and then to go along with the guys they have up front, which are the, the pass rushers that they have, very good. But I don't trust their defense, but I think they're going to win 12, 13 games. And with their number is 11 and a half in a division where they're going to win five games. And I think that, Rodgers, if this is going to be his last year in Green Bay, you know he's going to do whatever it takes to try to win a championship. So I'm going to pick them as my one over. My second over, and I hate to pick teams that have a flat number, meaning that if the team's number nine, and in this case is Tennessee's, because 
That means they have to win 10. So you'd rather them be 9.5. So then you know that they're going to have to win 10. Anything under that, they're going to lose. But if they fall right at the number, let's say they're 9-8, it's a push. Pushes are like ties in hockey back in the day. You don't want that. So I understand at 9, but Tennessee, with their offense, weak division... We know about Derrick Henry. He's probably going to rush for a zillion yards again if he stays upright and healthy. And Tannehill has that extra weapon. Division is, again, very sorry. I know Indianapolis is going to be competitive, but I think they're going to win at least 10. They'll go 10 and 7 and make it to the postseason, like I said. So that's my second team. And this one, I'm rolling the dice with people big time because, and I hate to do it. I really do. But two reasons why. I'm picking the Steelers at eight and a half. One, they have not had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. And it's crazy because he can't go eight and eight this year like he did two years ago. He's either going to be above 500 or below it. And this will be the year he goes below. And I get that. And it's dangerous. And it's also dangerous is that they have the toughest schedule in the league. They have to play. Obviously, they have a first place schedule, number one. Number two, they have Seattle coming into their building. That's the extra game, add-on game where the AFC plays at home. So we all know that that's going to be tricky. They go to Green Bay. I know the NFC North isn't anything to shake your boots at, but they have to go to Green Bay. But they also have to go to Buffalo week one, which if they win that game, that would be, oh my goodness. And they also have to go to Kansas City. And they do play the AFC West, so that means they have to fly out to LA. That's a game that they could lose. They do have Vegas... And Denver coming into their buildings, which of course could be wins. And then obviously you have the division games, which are going to be brutal all year long. But I think they're going to win nine games. And if the offensive line stays upright, like I said, they should win nine games. So I'm picking the Steelers as an over eight and a half. My unders, run, I'll run right through these. Miami, I'm sorry to say, nine and a half, that's going to be an under. Even if they're over 500 at nine and eight, I win that. Tua, I think he's going to have his moments, and I think Miami with the coach and Brian Flores, but the division's going to be tough. They go to New England week one, and you know, Mac Jones is going to want to show and prove that week one. Miami can win there. We saw what happened with Fitzmagic there two years ago when they won that final regular season game to where it propelled KC to get the two seed, and then New England had to host Tennessee in the game that they lost. So it's not impossible that they could lose that game, but... To me, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Miami. Not the whole year, but for them to be over 9.5, to win 10 games. They won 10 last year. I get it. But a lot of that was with Fitzpatrick. Now, with all of it being on Tua's shoulders, I think it's going to be a little tough. So I'm picking them as an under. Atlanta, as I said, they're going to score a lot of points, but they're going to give up more than they score. Their defense is just with cheese. Not much of a pass rush. Secondary, who, what, where? I can't see it. So... Seven and a half is their number. I think they're going to go seven and ten. They could push that though. They could. I could see them win eight games, but they are the Falcons. And ever since they lost that 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, they've just gone backwards. So I could see them being an under there. And then Jacksonville, six and a half. I think they'll improve, but I think they'll win six games. Again, they have Tennessee and Indianapolis in their division. Yes, they do have Houston. That could be two wins there. But Jacksonville, for the two wins, come on. They're going to win seven games now? They're going to go plus five to last year? Max, I see plus four. But if it is plus four, that means they're full short of six and a half. That's why I'm picking Jacksonville as an under. So to recap, Green Bay, 11 and a half is an over. Tennessee, nine over. Pittsburgh, 
eight and a half over, and my unders are Miami nine and a half, Atlanta seven and a half, Jacksonville six and a half. And my Super Bowl pick to wrap up my NFL preview. I think the Bills are going to win in Kansas City. So they'll represent the AFC. And I think the Rams are going to win whether in Green Bay or wherever else. I could see Green Bay maybe even getting picked off. I can even see Kansas City get picked off again. But Buffalo's going to make it to the Super Bowl. And I'm going to pick, and this is dangerous. I'm picking the Rams only because I'm going to go with not necessarily Stafford because I'm not in love with them and I don't 100% fully trust them. But I would think again, he's going to a winning team, better culture, the Southern California lifestyle, the beautiful brand new building. Fans are going to be in that stadium for the first time this year. He's going to feel the energy. I'm sure that wave is going to get into magic carpet mode to where if they can make it to the postseason, especially with those two defenders, as I mentioned in Ramsey and Donald, that they could go far. I could see them maybe even making it to the Super Bowl. So I'm picking those two teams. And to my family, Chris Fitzsimmons, and even Nancy Del Monte, my cousin, your Super Bowl champion is going to be the Rams. I can't pick Kansas City Green Bay or Green Bay Buffalo or no. It's boring to go chalk. Remember last year, I picked Buffalo, New Orleans. And I was close with Buffalo, New Orleans. Obviously, they lost to Tampa. But please, I'm not going to use the same teams or Tampa and Buffalo. No, 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 no. Got to be a little different here with these choices. So Rams, Bills, Super Bowl 56. And to think that will be back-to-back years that the team that makes it to the Super Bowl will also be a home game, as we saw last year with Tampa, playing in their building, Raymond James, to win a Super Bowl. And I think the Rams, with it being in SoFi, they will be the NFC representative and also win the Super Bowl 56 in mid-February. So that'll do it, people. That is my NFL preview. I hope you enjoyed that. Of course, if you didn't listen to the podcast on Monday, which I talked about a lot on the U.S. Open, the baseball, Yankees skidding, Giants, are they going to outlast the Dodgers for the NL West, all that, definitely peep that. As I always like to say, and as I said at the very top, subscribe, rate, review on wherever you get your podcast. Throw me a few stars. Also, throw me a review. All that's going to do is increase the visibility of this podcast as I try to get it out there to the masses. If you want to hit me up on many of my social media accounts, you could do so at J Reels or the J Reels Podcast, which is Strictly Sports on Instagram. J Reels 1, just the number on Twitter. The J Reels podcast on my fan page on Insta, uh, excuse me on Facebook, and then the old fashioned way the J Reels podcast at gmail.com If you want to shoot me an email, also if you want to contribute to the podcast, do so at www.patreon.com slash the J Reels podcast. P is in Paul, A T is in Tom, R E O N. As in Nancy, whatever you want to contribute, I would greatly appreciate it, and I thank you. And certainly, do not take your participation lightly or for granted. As many things that we can listen to, as many things that are out there at our fingertips to appease us, entertain us, inform us, whatever it is, I do appreciate you taking the time out to listen to what it is that I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports, because whether you do or do not know, this is my love. If you can't hear the passion in the microphone, then I don't know. Maybe I have to ramp it up even more, because wherever it's played on, whether it's on a diamond, the ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, octagon, 
boxing ring, you name it, from my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Central to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Enjoy NFL kickoff tonight in Tampa. Week one coming on Sunday, the whole slate. We'll review it all on Monday. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby.